Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Back here on the First Cut Podcast, April 1st. That's Kyle Porter. I'm Chip Patterson. Kyle, uh, we had our bracketology. We had our bracket reveal live. Was your bracket busted as Kevin Kisner won against Matt Kuchar in a very eventful uh, for reasons both in terms of play but also in terms of controversy, uh, WGC at Austin Country Club? Yeah, I didn't have Matt Kuchar and, and Kevin Kisner in the final. Uh, although maybe I should have because Kisner was in it last year. Kuchar's won before. Uh, you know, it was, it was interesting. I was looking at because you can kind of, you know, and this is what Bubba was complaining about after Valspar. He's like, you know, we see it every year. Guys shoot in the 70s and, and win and guys shoot in the 60s and lose. And it's like, well, that's, yeah, that's kind of how match play goes. Kisner was like, he was okay for the week from from uh, like in strokes gained. I think he was like 17th or 20th or something like that. And it is weird to think like he barely got into the knockout round. He had to beat, uh, who was it, Ian Poulter in a playoff on Friday just to get to Saturday. And then he goes lights out on the weekend and wins. Um, so it's, it's such a unique thing and guys complain about it and whatever, but – uh, it it is kind of fun, and it's a fun changeup from what we kind of normally get on the PGA Tour. Is there anything to Kisner not being a long hitter, so therefore he's always hitting his um, his approach shots first, and therefore shed some pressure? Like, is this is this part of? Sort of the if if you're going to break it down and try to uh, you know look at why Kisner might have success in this kind of event is that does that come into play at all in your mind? Not really. I, I think it would be more if if he's if he's going first, like if he's uh, farther away, like up up either on the green or around the green, and he puts it tight, like he lags something up or he chips up from a difficult spot, and 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 I think that I think that type of thing puts more pressure on guys than maybe um, like hitting from the fairway just because you, you start to think, Oh, well, if I don't, if I don't hold this, I'm not going to win the hole. And then if, if he, you know, if he's two inches away and I've already conceded, then I have to lag this close. Like it, it just, I think that part of it starts to get into your head and he just keeps coming. Like he's just so relentless and he, he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Um, you know, DJ Pajowski said this on Twitter. He's like, this dude can miss every cut between now and the next Ryder Cup, and right. I want him on the Ryder Cup team. So that's what I, I was, I, I was going to like double back on that. Like, is this a, a secret uh a secret weapon for a Ryder Cup team that is, like you know, still probably as a as a group and as a team a, a little bit embarrassed by what happened in Paris? It's hard because I think that he – and Lee Westwood said this on Twitter. It's kind of funny because he would have been better for Paris than he would be for whistling straights in 2020, just because that's not really his, his kind of course, but Paris would have been perfect. Right. Right. But we get into the thing where, and I don't, I don't think this is necessarily, necessarily wrong, but we get into the thing where it's like, we have to have the, 
12 most talented guys instead of the 12 that's set up best for this type of format or this course or this, you know, whatever. So I don't know. I mean, it's obviously a long way away, but I think that if there's a, if there's an American team event, I mean, I want Kevin Kisner there based on, based on the last couple of years. And he was great in the president's cup a couple of years ago. So I, I think his recent history and just how he's playing, like I, I want him at match play team events. Okay. So top 10 at the 17 PGA T2 at last year's open championship T12 at last year's PGA, but no masters finishes, uh, only three starts higher than his T28 last year. As, as we sort of spin forward with Kevin Kisner, is there any takeaway to, to be had in terms of projecting how much of a factor he could be at Augusta national? Not really. I mean, you know, Rory said this last week. He he was talking about how match play is just sort of a weird lead-in to Augusta, and I think that can be taken multiple ways. I think that's true for golfers, like in terms of their preparation, but also I think for the way that we sort of extrapolate some of this stuff out. And and I know we'll talk about this with with Tiger in a little bit. It's like, you know, like okay, you got to the quarterfinals, but did you did you even hit the ball well? You know, hmm. and, and so I'm. I'm a little bit the same with Kisner. It's like, okay, he was 20th in strokes gained. Okay, what what does that mean? Like, he's playing fine. I don't think it means nothing. I think it means Kevin Kisner's a good player. Yeah, like, yeah. And it, you know, I, Chip, as I was going through my, so I did the, I finished my ranking the field, and I realized that it, this the the field really breaks nicely into kind of four subcategories. So you have your top 20, and these are like the elite players that you would bet on to win. And then you've got this middle, like, 40 or so, and that's where Kevin Kisner is, and it's where Webb Simpson is, and it's where J.B. Holmes is, and it's where Jimmy Walker is. And you're like, okay, I mean, those, yeah, could, could those guys win the Masters? Sure, yeah, absolutely. But would it take a career week? Yeah, probably. Like, would it take an all-time week from them to win the Masters? Sure. And then you've got kind of a, a 20 guys after that that includes guys like um, – I don't know, Keith Mitchell and Aaron Wise, where you're like, oh, they're really good players. Uh, Kevin Tway, these guys are, you know, good talents. Are they going to win the Masters? Ugh, probably not. Like, that's pretty that's pretty difficult to see. Right. So there's a lot of young guys in that group. And then you got your bottom 15 of basically amateurs and, and seniors that are just not going to win the Masters. So all that to say, I think Kisner is, is fits nicely into that second category of guys that, they all feel interchangeable for a lot of these majors, especially at Augusta. I think Kisner is better suited for a an Open or maybe a U.S. Open, uh, just because of the way he hits it. So I don't know. I mean, I expect him to make to make the cut, and I wouldn't be surprised if he was continuing on the weekend. But I, I don't think I'm going to pick him. And now it is time for Stock Up, Stock Down, presented by TD Ameritrade. And as we uh, start to get into our Stock Up and Stock Down, I I have a proposal that uh, I would like to bring for the analysts here. Um, I'm going to say that even though he was the runner-up in this event, that both in the immediacy of the controversy against Sergio Garcia and followed up on the caddy tipping scandal, we've got to look at Matt Kuchar's Q1. And I guess here on April 1st, uh, we, are, we are now officially starting Q2, right? 
Yeah, we yeah, are. yeah. Okay, Q1, so Q1's on the book. So, so as as we're having our earnings call on Q1, I gotta think <laughs> no one has suffered more of a drop off in their stock than Matt Kuchar. Uh, yeah, Sergio's up there probably because of what he did overseas. Yeah, his yeah, his, his global his global reach wasn't great. <laughs> well, it, it 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 is funny because. If you would have said at like January one or whenever, I guess we'll say like Thanksgiving of last year, who's gonna be embroiled in like two of the three biggest quote unquote quote unquote scandals in golf in Q1 2019? Sergio would have been at maybe at the top of your list, and Kucherov would have been at the bottom. Right. And they not only have both been involved in two of them, they've also both now been involved in the same one. But yeah, I would say. I would say Kucher overall, like going into the Masters. I mean, even like year over year, if we're if we're talking, uh, you know, looking at la- last year's Masters, like people root for him to win at Augusta, and now it's like, eh, I, maybe, yeah, probably still, but some might not. I don't know. It's it's kind of been a, a tumultuous first first quarter of the year. So, c- will you run uh, run down for me and the listeners, sort of the. The, first of all, the the core of the controversy, but then also as as all of these controversies go, particularly in individual sports and and the takery land that we're at, sort of what it's become uh, since then. Yeah, so seventh hole in their quarterfinal match on Saturday afternoon, uh, Sergio missed like a ten footer, and then he went to tap it in with the back of his putter from four inches. Literally, shot length says four inches, and he missed it. It whipped out. And obviously, he would have been conceded the putt. He, I mean, it, it wasn't even a question. But Kuchar didn't have time to like verbally like say concede or pick it up or you know whatever whatever you say to kind of confirm it. Mm-hmm. And so, based on the rules, Sergio ended up losing the hole, whereas he would have he would have tied it. They would have they would have split the hole. And so, it was kind of I mean it was very awkward, and Sergio was frustrated probably at himself mostly for the mistake. But then apparently on the next hole, Kutra was like, ah, I kind of feel bad about this. And then Sergio was like, well, you can make it right by conceding this hole to me and kind of, you know, putting the match back where it should have been in terms of overall score. And Kutra was like, well, I don't think I'm going to do that. And so him and him and um, Sergio were kind of jawing at each other for like two or three holes. And, it kind of calmed down. Like Shane Bacon tweeted that he would have paid $200 to see their handshake. It was, it was very much a Scott Drew, Bill Self handshake situation mm, for a while. God, big, uh, tw- big 12 hoops reference. You're just hitting me in a real <laughs> special place today, Kyle. But it turned out to be kind of, it kind of, it kind of petered out. And Sergio sort of took the blame for it afterwards, even though, and, and I don't like, I, not to defend Sergio here, but, I sort of understand where he's coming from. Like, and this isn't unprecedented. I was looking back. So 2014 match play, I think it was 14, maybe 13. Sergio had uh, Fowler and he conceded an 18 foot putt to him on a hole. And everybody afterwards was like, why'd you do that? What in the world? You know, what, what's going on? And, and he had, he had apparently a couple holes earlier, maybe a hole earlier, uh, taken, a bunch of time to hit a ball because there were bees surrounding it and it like threw the whole match off and he felt really bad about it. So he kind of wanted to make things right. And so he just conceded this putt to Fowler. 
So it's not like this is unprecedented in match play, but it would have been, you know, a pretty generous thing for Kucher to do to to give him the next hole to kind of make make that match uh, square all square again. See, if there's anything I've learned about Matt Kucher is is we can we do not need to expect him to be all the way in on make things right. <laughs> on being generous yeah on being generous or making things right i mean it's just and and you know as we bring our uh stock up stock down presented by td ameritrade to a close here uh before moving on to big cat and some other topics i i just have been shocked at how the conversation the narrative and the the likability of matt kuchar has changed so rapidly yeah, I mean, you you would have, I think, among people who who knew golf well, like you would have pointed at him and said, probably the most likable guy on tour. You know, maybe not the most um, great locker room guy. Listen, listen, great locker room guy. You got to have him at least around the United States team, right? Kinda yeah, and stuff. so like now, I, I and so I don't know, like. I don't know. I don't. I don't know Kutcher. I don't. I don't really talk to guys that know him well. So I don't. I don't know a lot about kind of the inner locker room stuff or whatever. But I think just the the link between him and the general public. I certainly think it's. I mean, and and like I think our sort of measuring stick for that is like talking to our parents, right, or like people friends that kind of casually follow golf, and people are kind of out, and it, and it's and it's really interesting because he's not somebody that you would have ever thought that would happen to. We'll get into uh, that aforementioned Tiger Woods run into the quarterfinals right after this. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles. Now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes! So you said it, Big Cat. Uh, look, kind of had his back against the wall in group play. Was able to make it into the round of sixteen for this, you know, epic clash against Rory. Uh, does end up defeating McElroy two and one. Then goes on to uh, face Lucas Beauregard. And so let's let's start with the Rory match. You know, you wrote about it. It was the story. It was real early, and so it made for a long working day. I mean, I was on. I was on CBS Sports HQ duty at Washington D.C. for the East Regional. It felt like I, I was always, I was always having to to look to my next hit, right? But you were just nonstop, and so I feel for you. And I want you to know that I was, I was thinking of you at that time because Tiger Rory is like the biggest thing that you could possibly imagine from the WGC match play event, and yet we got it. I did not get to see a single hole, so I will lean on you here. What'd you get from Tiger and Rory on the course? Uh, it was it was like most big matches like that. It was a letdown. Just a lot of pars. Uh, a lot of pars. Rory didn't make a birdie on the front nine. They made four birdies combined in thirty four holes. I mean the 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 biggest thing that happened was Rory making a seven from the middle of the fairway on on uh, sixteen. A what now? So he he hits a three hundred and ninety. Four yard drive on sixteen. Oh, I'm looking at the card. It just says C. So I guess he conceded par, well before. Par. So listen to this. So he has a 395 yard drive. Par. It's a par five. He has 172 in 173 maybe. He hits his shot 149 yards, 
and it's like hanging off the side of a bunker. And so he hits it over the green up against this wooden stake, has to take an unplayable, goes back to where he hit the previous one, uh, and then can't get up and down for bogey. So he makes a seven. Tiger never even putts. And Tiger drove it in the bunker off the tee. And that was like the the most exciting thing that happened all day. It just, it, it wasn't a great match. Rory played terrible. Tiger didn't play great. I mean, he was kind of all over the place a little bit on the back nine. And and this is sort of the thing I'm talking about earlier. When It's like, okay, let's not extrapolate too much from match play. Tiger was not... I mean, he hit it fine. I think his, I think the way he's hit it this year has been a little bit underrated, but it wasn't anything to get. I mean, he was not best in the field from tee to green. Certainly, he 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 was he was okay, but he wasn't he wasn't great. Okay. Um. What about any What about any negatives for Rory? Uh. I don't know. The same that you don't want to extrapolate too much from guys who had success. I don't want to. I don't want to take too much from guys who. Who failed? I I think that there there was a little bit of like okay this is all like just straight green lights to Augusta right and now you're like oh, that that last round kind of left a sour taste in my mouth he didn't talk to the media afterwards the whole thing was kind of I don't know it's kind of it's kind of bizarre um and it just it just didn't go the way that you know I think anybody envisioned it going. So hold on, I'm looking but, at the, I so mean, he was we, 25 we, yards away from the pin after his second shot on the right rough, and after that, four strokes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was a bad lie, but still. Not good. <laughs> no, it was not good. Was there anything? I mean, he, well, all right, go ahead. He, well, he played great the first, you know, in pool play, like basically until he got to Tiger. So is that is that playing tiger uh maybe i don't know i don't think rory gets super intimidated by a lot of stuff or is it just having a bad round at the wrong time against the wrong person um okay let's let's point our attention to pool play jason day oh and three concerned or nah i don't know i feel like uh yeah I, I I'm not real high on him at Augusta, which we, means he'll probably win. We called Henrik Stenson potentially winning that group. He went three and zero against yeah. Phil Mickelson, Jim Furyk, and Jason Day. Um, Justin Thomas one one and one. Let's and that was where Lucas Beauregard came out and was the winner. He was the low player in that group. Any JT concern? Uh no. I, I love where he's at right now because nobody's talking about him. He's my pick for the Masters. He's coming in under the radar. I love it. I'm in. Bryson Let's D- do it. What about Bryson DeChambeau? One and two in group play. Yeah, I feel like we haven't heard from Bryson very much recently. We I, have I remember not. I, I Do what? I said no. No, we have not. You're absolutely right. I have to uh, – I'm going to have to go back and change my rankings before they come out next week because I had him, I think, third or fourth uh, whenever I put it all together. And because I remember us talking about how I said Justin Rose is going to be a Bryson DeChambeau in a playoff at Augusta, I don't feel like it's going to happen anymore. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know what the deal is with him, but yeah, he he's not playing as well as I would have liked for him to going into the Masters. Let's see, where was Justin Rose at? Justin Rose two zero oh, and one. Okay, so he won his group. Yeah, and then he he got beat by Kevin Na, I think. In the quarters? I think so. 
Um, what about my master's pick, Brooks Kepka? Uh, he didn't play well. Mm. I think he lost two matches. Maybe maybe o- o- two one. and it's, one. Yeah. Yikes! I how he's about just, he he whatever like he's just he's just loading it all up for the for Augusta. The the this is and it's so funny because you know you talk about the when you were talking about it's all green lights to Augusta for Rory. I I wonder if there is some element of this that like. You know, DJ goes uh, one and two. Like you, the most of the heavy hitters, we didn't see great performances out of in this format. Uh, yeah, no, we we didn't. And I think you know, I don't know. Part part of this is, and this is probably overstated, but you know, Kisner was talking about this after he played 120 holes. He's like, this is maybe the hardest tournament to win just because the the the. Uh, physical part of it, like the physical aspect, the fatigue part of it. And so it just, it, I, not, not to say that like, two, you know, whatever, uh, 10 days before you're teeing off at Augusta, you, you can't recover in that amount of time. But I do think it, I don't know. I think it throws your routine off a little bit in that, okay, maybe you don't practice on Monday, Tuesday, whereas you would have practiced on Tuesday. I don't know. I think, I think there is an aspect of it that it's like, Maybe it's good that Tiger, you know, messed up Hutt against Burgard on on Saturday and didn't have to go 36 on Sunday, and you know we get just drowned in this avalanche of like, oh, Tiger shouldn't have, you know, he he played too much in Austin, you know, whatever whatever the narrative would have been. So I I do think that I I don't think it's a bad thing to lose in pool play at match play. What about uh, any any other sort of lasting takeaways from the event for you? Uh, not really. I, I think the course has become somewhat memorable in, in a short amount of time. The back nine is really fun and you recognize all the holes now. And, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's a fun event. I, the final four was, was kind of tough. Um, just because there wasn't a ton of, of star power in it and it's, and it's just slow. Like you've only got basically four guys on the course hitting shots the whole time, which is so unlike anything that we see, including a Ryder cup where you have, you know, a lot more than that at any given time. So I don't know. It was fun. It was good. I'm glad it's over. I'm ready for the masters. <laughs> I mean, I don't, what do you, what do you want me to say here? Well, I mean, I'm just, I'm, I, I look forward to welcoming on, uh, our friend Sean Martin on Wednesday. Cause he's, he's very concerned about how masters heavy this podcast has become. Oh Yeah. So we're going to invite him on for a master's preview. Yeah. Well, might as well insert yourself into the conversation, Sean. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to say that the, my, my match play thoughts are that if you don't, if you don't have like what appears to be um, like a full, like the the stakes just have to be a little bit higher and the action just has to be a little bit more fast paced in the same way that when the Tiger Phil the match happened, it was kind of wild the way it finished. Um, and, you know, who knows what the stakes were since the dollar bills they had out there in Las Vegas were literally Hollywood money. Um, I just <laughs> that was that was crazy. I, I like I, I just wonder if if we're going to be getting in these kinds of events, if, if you're just going to get more Kevin Kisner, Matt Kuchar, because, you know, if, if you just need that extra little oomph to be able to 
mentally stay checked in. I could see after, you know, three or four of these matches, just just really be looking forward to uh hopping back on that that PJ, that private jet and just getting out. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's just it's it's I think it's fun mostly. I think it's tiring. You know, right. and, and there's not the, it's just, I think it's hard to go from match play of like, um, a Ryder cup where there's so much at stake, even though there's no money involved to like for, for all these stars to go to match play at a WGC in Austin where it's like, okay, what, what is, what are we doing? You know? Right. Um, and I think the randomness of it sort of is, a it kind of de-incentivizes like caring more than these guys do not to say they don't care at all i think they do but i think that you're just not super incentivized to you know throw all of your emotions into it two weeks before the masters and with and with how much randomness there is to kind of how it plays out um and francesco molinari is he the best uh match play is he, is he the match play king of the world right now yes yeah uh molinari is like could win another major in, in 2019. Molinari might be another master's pick. Yeah. Like he might be a great, he, he's in my top, he's in that 20 that I mentioned. He, right. He's in there. He's like 18 or something. Oh man. I'm just, I, I, I think that I've hit that reckless point where I've got about five master's picks and we'll just wait until the podcast that where no one is looking for my master's pick for me to unveil it. I can't lie. I thought you said Kepka already. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I got. I, I think that. It, I think that over the course of the next three podcasts, I'm going to continue to make, continue to to just dole out investments, and then finally, when Silverstein sends the email, I'll have to declare one. <laughs> I'm gonna have all. I'm gonna, my my top five are just going to be all long shots. <laughs> it's just. Was that a TD Ameritrade shout out? Um, it, it can be. Thank you. This no. episode, as as we have reminded you several times, was brought to you by TD Ameritrade. Um, member SIPC. Uh, all right, Kyle. Wednesday, sound good? Wednesday's good. Um, Masters talk. Is there another tournament this week? I think there is. I don't, actually, you know what I want to talk about on Wednesday for a little bit is the, uh, the Augusta National Women's Amateur. I'm okay. excited about that. I'm going to cover it. Um, the field's actually, I was reading about the field today. It's actually loaded like for a, for, and, it, and it's hard because there's also a, an LPGA major this week, the ANA. Um, and so it's kind of weird timing for everybody, but I, I'm excited to see just kind of how all that plays out. So we'll talk about that a little bit on Wednesday as well. Follow him on Twitter at Kyle Porter CBS. You can follow me at chip underscore Patterson. Kyle, thank you very much. Thanks chip. <laughs>